The Moment has arrived. I'm Tom Dickinson, and this is a podcast, and it's called The Moment, and it's about Doctor Who. Each week, a guest is kind enough to join me on the show, and they bring with them a specific moment from an episode of Doctor Who that they want to talk about. This week, I'm joined by Deb Stanish, the moderator of the award-winning Verity podcast. Deb brought a moment from the first series of Modern Doctor Who, the only series to feature Christopher Eccleston as the Ninth Doctor. Deb's moment is from The Parting of the Ways, the finale of that series, in which the Ninth Doctor and his companions, Rose Tyler and Captain Jack Harkness, face down the Dalek Emperor in the year 200,100. The Daleks were all but wiped out in the Time War, but the Emperor has managed to rebuild a fleet of millions of Daleks using genetic material harvested from the human race. The Doctor has a plan to defeat the Daleks once and for all, wiping out the whole fleet with a powerful Delta Wave and killing every last Dalek known to still exist. But the Delta Wave would wipe him out too, as well as his companions and the entire population of the planet Earth. Wanting to spare Rose's life, the Doctor tricks her into walking back into the TARDIS and then closes the door behind her and sends her back home to her own place and time, London in the 21st century, while he and Captain Jack face down certain doom in the far future. Rose doesn't feel good about having been benched like this. In fact, she's kind of devastated. Shortly after she arrives back home, she goes out for a bite to eat with her mother and her ex-boyfriend Mickey Smith, and they talk about the situation in which she now finds herself which is when Deb's moment occurs. In The Parting of the Ways, there is a scene that is much maligned in fandom. Rose is sitting in the little coffee shop cafe Have you tried that new pizza place on Mint Road? with her mom and Mickey. What's it selling? Pizza. And she is just... Nice, nice. Do they deliver? Gotten kicked back. The doctor has sent her back home because he knows that it's pretty much a losing proposition. He's going to die. The Daleks are going to win and he's going to go down fighting and he doesn't want Rose to do that. So he sends her home. And Rose is not happy with this outcome. Her mother's thrilled. Jackie's thrilled that she's back. Mickey's happy that she's back. They're trying to have this sense of normalcy. They're out having something to eat. Oh, Rose, have something to eat. 200,000 years in the future. He's dying, and there's nothing I can do. And Rose is just, she's she's angry, she's despondent. Well, like you said, 200,000 years, it's way off. But it's not. It's now. She really wants to get back. That and fight is happening right now. And he's fighting for us, for the whole planet, and I'm just sitting here eating chips. It often comes across, the conversation that she has with Mickey and her mom comes across as very classist, very elitist, and people often use that as a way to say, you know, Rose did think that she was better than everybody else, and Rose kind of got a little above herself, and Rose was really rude to, to Jackie and Mickey, and I'm not saying any of those things are wrong, but to me, that was a very pivotal moment because... What do I do every day, Mom? Rose turns around and says, well, what am I supposed to do? Get up, catch the bus, go to work, come back home, eat chips and go to bed, is that it? And Mickey's like... It's what the rest of us do. But I can't! Why, because you're better than I? No, I didn't mean... And I think this moment, it, it just, it really resonated with me because of the things... The doctor showed me a better way of living your life. That I remember feeling at that. That you don't just give up. And wanting to do more and to be better. You don't just let things happen. You make a stand. You say no. You have the guts to do what's right when everyone else just runs away and I... You know, when I think about something that gets you in Doctor Who, and I think so many people have that moment where you just get that thing that claws its way into your heart and you think, I get this. This is such a universal show. 
And I think that that's my moment. Is is this a maligned scene? Because I didn't even know that. <laughs> it, it is. And the place in fandom where I was at that time, I was very, very involved in Doctor Who fandom in Live Journal. Oh, Live Journal, bless you. And it was a really interesting place to be a Doctor Who fan because, for the most part, it was a very, very female centric fanish space. That scene, it really upset a lot of people, especially as you moved into season two and people looked back on that scene retroactively. It did not portray Rose in a very good light. And that was the accusations. It was very classist of her, kind of sneering at the lifestyle that she had, sneering at the people who were living that lifestyle. And I, she's young and she is impetuous. And Rose does often stumble about and make some bad choices and say some things that a very unaware 19-year-old would say. She feels very teenagerish to me and uh, yeah so it was a it was a bit maligned at least in the fanish circles where I ran and I think if you talked to people on the internet there would be a lot of backlash against that scene so why why did you pick this moment so I picked this moment because I understand Rose so incredibly much in that scene I came from a family where education was not necessarily valued. It was a very blue-collar existence. And not that there is anything wrong with that in any way, shape, or form, but my parents just didn't know any better. My mother came to this country when she was a teenager from Scotland, and the education system was completely different. And there was no expectations of me to move beyond what my parents had done, what my cousins had done, what their families had done. And I remember very distinctly being at a family party when I was like 17 or 18. And the only thing people could talk about was, why didn't I have a boyfriend? And what was I going to do? I needed to get married and have children right away. Like I need to have babies. This was your role in life to have a nine to five job and have babies. And that was it. There was no expectation of a higher education. There was no expectation of doing anything with your life. And I think my parents just didn't understand that. They didn't understand like this desire to do more. And it wasn't that they ever stopped me, but they just didn't get it. And I think I probably reacted a little badly at times with the things that I wanted to do. And for the support that I did get from them, looking back, it meant so incredibly a lot. Um, I didn't say I was going to get emotional about doing this. I remember my mother buying a set of encyclopedia um, the world book and it was a door-to-door salesman who came around she bought this set of books and paid on it weekly my dad didn't understand why he did this you know he was working in a body shop in a car dealership didn't understand why we needed these books but you know he was pretty indulgent and I lived with those books every single day. It didn't matter what volume it was. I would pull one down and I would just lose myself in it. And it was such a huge sacrifice. It was such a frivolous thing. And I don't think that anybody really understood in my family what a gift that was. And I kind of feel like looking at Jackie and Rose when she goes and gets that big dump truck. Like she doesn't understand why. Rose wants to do this, but she understands it's really important. Right, you've only got this until six o'clock, so get on with it. And at that well, moment, like, I can, I see my family there. The fact that you have somebody who loves somebody enough that they're willing to do something big and something grand. And for a lot of people, buying a set of encyclopedias wouldn't be big and wouldn't be grand. But for us, it was. To have that moment and to see her coming around, seeing Rose railing against something, but then seeing her mother turning around and supporting her, that meant so much to me. And I understand understood that. And I don't think anybody who's not been in that situation can really understand what it's like to have people who don't understand but still try to support you and try to believe in you. And my parents are incredibly proud of everything that me and my sisters have done. But 
it definitely wasn't something that they thought was ever going to happen. We never felt like we were better than they were. We just wanted such different things. And people really feel threatened by somebody who wants different things. Okay. That was incredibly long and rambly. <laughs> well, no, no, but it was it, – it's a lot. <laughs> it, it really is a lot. And thinking about it, it's a lot too. Did this moment change how you thought about Rose as a person? It didn't change how I felt about her, but it made me understand her. Got no A levels. I mean, as a character, no I liked her a lot. No I liked that she but I tell you what, I have tried hard. I liked that she was up for the adventure. Um, but at that moment, it didn't make me like her any more or any less, but it made me understand her a little bit more. Like, I could really feel where she was coming from. We get a little sense of that in Rose where you see her getting up and hitting the alarm clock and going to work and doing it you know again and again and the repetition of that and I think that scene the very very beginning of episode one of that season sets up that scene in the cafe perfectly because now She's lived that. She doesn't want to go back to that. Yeah. I feel like so much of what's driving the whole plot and theme of series one, and to some extent series two, is the sort of tension between out there and back here, what Rose has on that council estate versus what she has out in the wider universe. Right. And the way she navigates those two things. Do you think that Doctor Who is presenting a vision of the world where one of those is better or nobler or, or more worthwhile than the other? You know, I don't think that it is because I think that if Rose ended up stuck and not being able to get back, I think she would have carried on the same way that she would have done if she were traveling with the doctor because I think what the show does she's more than anything again. else But she was better with you Don't say that No, she was is It shows how it changes you as a person It shows you a better way not a better way that you're traveling like she says It's not the different planets and the aliens It's that you can do good and that you can Wait, run towards something Why is she running at another alien? You'll just stand there, come on! Run towards danger Now you're all running at it When everybody else is running away from me. If you didn't have that experience, I don't know that you would. And I think people that are in the military sort of have a little bit of that too. When you're under this sort of extreme circumstances, it changes you fundamentally as a person. So I think regardless of what she did, she would still be that same person. So I don't think the tension's there that one way is better than another because I think the whole point of the show is the doctor changes you. Sometimes we'd like to think he changes us for the better, but there's people I'm sure that would disagree. <laughs> yeah, I mean, there's another conversation between Rose and her mother in you even look like Army of Ghosts. That's me. They talk about the ways in which Rose has changed. I suppose I do, yeah. Yes. You've changed so much. For the better. Do you think that the ways Rose is changing are uniformly good, or do you think it's more of a mixed bag? You know, I think it's a mixed bag. I mean, I don't think any of us can go through something profound and come out the other side and say that was 100% a good experience, mm. regardless of what that experience is, because you're not the same person that you were. And sometimes you have to shed things along the way, such as an innocent look at the world. I mean, look at the world around us now. Who would have thought three years ago that we would be looking at the world the way that we look at it now? We have lost some of our innocence, that democracy is longstanding and can withstand anything. You know, we're starting to doubt those things as we move through our current political environment. So now I, I don't think any experience is going to be 100% positive, regardless of how good you think it is. I think there's always going to be something that you have to leave behind in order to grow. Hmm. Do you think the doctor was right to send her back in the first place? Well, that's a big question, isn't it? 
It is a big question, and I, I want to throw out two considerations there before you even answer it. In light of his obligations to her as like a friend and companion to Rose, and also his obligations me to this. Jackie as someone who has my daughter safe? made a promise to look after Rose. Will she always be safe? Can you promise me that? And has had that relationship with Jackie as well. Yeah. God knows I have hated that man, but right now I love him. And do you know why? Jackie sees it as a gesture to her. He did the right thing. He sent you back to me. And I, I wonder whether you think, in light of either or both of those considerations, whether you think he did the right thing there. You know, I think if we were put in a position... If this message is activated, then it can only mean one thing. Where we We must be in danger. And I mean fake. That it was hopeless. I'm dead or about to die any second with no chance of escape. No. And that's okay. I think you Hope would do good. anything but that you could you to save someone that you love. The TARDIS is taking you home. I won't let you. And I bet you're fussing and moaning now. Typical. But hold on and just listen a bit more. And regardless of how you see that love between the Doctor and the Rose, whether it's romantic or platonic, that's what he did. So I I think from an emotional standpoint, I think even if the whole point with Jackie were not involved, I think he would have done it regardless, just because you don't want to see somebody suffer. He's had experience with the Daleks. He knows how horrible that that can be, and he just wants to save her. And if you want to remember me, then you can do one thing. That's all. One thing. Have a good life. Any of us would probably do anything that we could. Do that for me, Rose. To save someone that we loved from that. Have a fantastic life. From a terrible, terrible fate. He also, uh, he tricks her. He does trick her. And that's really, really mean. But... <laughs> and then he does it again in Doomsday. He uh, sneaks up behind her and put, puts the teleport thing on her to try to send her to Pete's world. Yeah, and it's that is just a huge problem. I think that the doctor has do that to me again of giving somebody agency to make that decision. I think this is the. Answer. I'm trying to look at this from both sides, right? I'm looking at it as an individual. If this were being done to me, and I had the choice taken away from me, I would be really, really angry. However, I'm thinking also as a parent, would I trick somebody in order to save their life? I think that I probably would. I don't know that I would wipe their memories though. So no, let no, 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 please. No, I'm not going to go down that road. So let's not even enter Don into this conversation. But the doctor just has a huge problem with agency, period. He always thinks that he knows best. And from one perspective, it makes me really angry. And on the other side, I'm like, I kind of get it. I mean, because it it sucks as an individual to have that decision being taken out of your hands. I'm trying to keep you safe. Why? It's terrible. And especially the fact he does it to so many women. Nobody's ever safe. I've never asked you for that, ever. That he doesn't give them the agency to make that decision is a little problematic, to be honest. But, oh man, I get it. I was dead and gone. Why? Why would you even do that to yourself? Yeah, in the Capaldi era, it's framed as a duty of care. I had a duty of care. You can totally see both sides of it. How, you know, it, that there are some things that are real you know, dick moves, honestly. Yeah, really. Uh, that, are, that are done out of love and out of a desire to see the, be- the best for someone. And it is. And I think, you know, duty of care is such a great way of putting it. But I think at what point do you look at your companions as fully functional adults being able to make that decision on their own? And does he treat his male companions differently than he treats his female companions? You know, notably in this instance, there's a male companion there too, Jack, and he doesn't. One last time! He doesn't. Any more volunteers? He doesn't do the same for Jack. There's an army 
about to invade this station. Exactly. And he treats Jack very differently than he treats all of his female companions. I need every last citizen to mount a defense. And whether he thinks that Jack has more capabilities and can survive and has more training, whatever, yada, 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 there's a difference. He gives Jack a choice. One of the questions that comes to mind is whether Rose could be happy having a quote-unquote normal life on the council state. And I think I think you said you, you think she could. Oh, don't get me wrong. I don't think that it would be a happy life for her, but I think she would make it a useful life. Mm. I don't think she would ever get over the fact that the doctor left her and she doesn't know definitively what happened and how it ended. Yeah, that's a huge aspect of it. That's huge. I mean, having that book never closed would have an effect on her. I don't think, however, that she would live the life that her mother and Mickey have lived. I think that she would go on to do something. She would take what she had learned and she would move forward. She would try to do good in the world. I mean, I could totally see her working with UNIT um, as Martha did. So the Torchwood on this planet's open for business. Well, she eventually does join Torchwood in Pete's world. And then you know right. a thing or two about aliens. Rose Tyler. Defender of the Earth. Exactly. So no, I don't think that she would live a happy life, but I do think that she would try to honor what she had done and honor the doctor in a way that um, would be productive and helpful and run towards those things that other people run away from. One aspect of this scene, as you've already mentioned, this can be read either as Rose being classist or at least having some level of commentary on class. And I'm wondering whether you think that's something that Doctor Who does a good job with as far as dealing with those issues. You know, see, this is really, really difficult, I think, to answer sometimes as an American Mm. because, you know, we're bringing a different perspective to watching this show where somebody who lives in the UK can look at an accent for say and say okay I can peg where this person's supposed to be from how they're talking the words that they're using I can put them in a slot so what I might think of as well that seems perfectly normal other people in the UK are like yeah that was a little problematic you know or that turn of phrase was problematic so in this particular scene I can see where people who do find her behavior problematic I can see where they're coming from I just don't really feel qualified to talk about Doctor Who in class. I think it's interesting that with this Doctor... If you are an alien, how come you sound like you're from the North? Lots of planets have a North. The Ninth Doctor, you know, they kept sort of that working class accent because that was such a huge break from what we had had previously. Yeah. And I remember Una McCormack tweeting something about how important that was to her and to people that she knew that, that for the first time the doctor was like them. You know what I mean? It was like the common person and it didn't have you know this you know sort of hoity-toity accent. So I think there was a way to try to do that, but you still have this level of privilege with the doctor that translates in different ways. I mean, when it comes, especially when it comes to Martha, I mean, that, that idea of privilege of them in the Shakespeare Code, just sort of trotting out of the TARDIS and she's like am I alright? I'm not going to get carted off as a slave am I? Why would they do that? Not exactly white. He's like, nah, just do what I I'm not even human. Just walk about like you in the place. It works for me. Yeah, that works if you're a white guy. It doesn't work for everybody else necessarily. So I do think it's it's never going to be 100% perfect because of how homogeneous it is in the writing staff at times. I think sometimes they think that they're doing the right thing, but it might not come across that because you didn't have the diversity at the time of what was going on behind the scenes. So that's a long rambly way of saying, I don't know. <laughs> 
<laughs> Maybe. But you also mentioned that this very British show spoke to you specifically and really reached something in your background growing up here in America. And I'm curious to know if that kind of, you know, reaching out and getting at you where you live, is that something that you see a lot more on American dramas? Or is it something that you, you don't see in American televised drama? Because it, it's, it's interesting, the contrast between, you know, the fact that, yeah, they are these two different societies, but also you describe that experience of having this touch you in that way. Yeah, you know, I think it's just good storytelling. Yeah. You know, good storytelling can touch you regardless of where you live, where it's coming from. So even though we have these really different cultural experiences, when you find a universality in a character or in a story, I mean, that's just magic. And Doctor Who does that so well. I mean, none of us can relate to being, you know, faced with a Zygon. A Zygon? Oh, stop it, it's over. A Zygon, yes. Big red rubbery thing covered in suckers. <laughs> but we can... a good kisser. You know, we can understand the surrounding story that goes along with that. We can understand an experience of the Zygon and the Immigration issue that was happening. Like 20 million Zygons, the entire hatchery, were allowed to be born and to stay on Earth. They were permitted to permanently take up the form of the nearest available human being. We can feel these stories. So, yeah, I think Doctor Who does a great job with that. And I think you can find that in just good storytelling, regardless if it's in the States or if it's anywhere. One, one of the things I love about this scene and about Russell T. Davies' writing in, in general is the stupid little weird points of specificity. Mm-hmm. Like, um, as the scene opens in the chip shop jackie's talking about oh they've got coleslaw in these little plastic tubs they're doing little tubs of coleslaw now it's not very nice tastes a bit sort of clinical oh like those details that just it's like you already have this beautiful quilt and they're adding now ornamentation onto the quilt it's not necessary but it's beautiful to look at and it just enriches the whole experience yeah that's that's good that's good stuff yeah how do you feel about jackie as a character overall Hmm. you know i like jackie but she came off a little hard in the beginning, Don't very self-centered. Just go off right now! Darling, you're breaking up. Listen, I'm just going to do a bit of late-night shopping. I'll see you later. Trump! Mom! But she is somebody who is living a really hard life. She's somebody who is deeply in love with her husband, as we learn. Who's that? It's your daddy. And lost her husband. You weren't old enough to remember when he died. Raised a child alone. She wasn't that old. And she loves Rose deeply in her own way. And I think this idea that television moms have to be the angel in the house is ridiculous. And I like seeing flawed mothers. I like seeing mothers who are human, who are, you're an adult, of course I should be, you know, having fun on my own and doing things on my own. You know, I like her. She's really strong. She's a strong, strong person. She gets a lot to do. She gets great lines. By the end of her run on Doctor Who, I was very, very, very fond of her. I mean, as far as television moms go in Doctor Who, like she's she's up there as far as compassion and caring and just willing to do what she has to do to keep her daughter safe. Do you think she has an arc? Hmm. I think as we get to know her, I think they softened her up a little. When we see her in Rose, she's not particularly likable. Mm. But I think by the time you see her like an army of ghosts or, or love and monsters. She okay? Yeah. So far away. You get the sense of somebody who... I get left here sometimes and... Um, wants to see their child. I don't know where she is. Anything could be happening to her, anything. 
stand on their own two feet. And I'll just go a bit mad. But misses them, wants them to be safe, but doesn't want to hold them back either. So I, I do think that you get a sense of her as a much more well-rounded character. I don't know that I would necessarily call that a real strong arc. I just think character-wise, you know, we just see her evolve. I try to think about this episode in comparison to Father's Day, which is the earliest, the youngest Jackie we see. Right. And whether she changes much. Here he is, the accident waiting to happen. The way she interacts with Pete. You'd be late for your own funeral, and it nearly was. No damage done. Versus the way she interacts with Rose. And Pete and Rose kind of have a lot in common Mm -hmm. in this weird way, where they both want more than what the council estate offers. It'll get better soon, I promise. I've had enough of all your daft schemes. I never know where the next meal's coming from. I'll get it right, love. One day soon, I promise you, I'll get it right. Jackie's kind of skeptical of that. Well, you know, I don't know that it's necessarily skepticism. I think it's a little bit of fear. Sure. Because I know, like, in my own situation, like, people weren't, they weren't angry that I wanted more. They felt if I had more, I would leave. Hmm. And I wouldn't be the person that I was, that they liked. I wouldn't, you know, come to family functions. I wouldn't hang out with them anymore because I would be better than them. And I'm air quoting heavily. So I think I think there's that level of fear that Jackie has too. I think she sees a lot of Pete in Rose. And Pete always wanted more, wanted to do better. And I think that's a little scary when you're somebody who, A, doesn't understand those dreams, and B is afraid that if those dreams are achieved, would she be the thing that gets left behind on his journey? And I think she feels the same way about Rose. Rose has kind of gone out into this bigger world, and if she's learned one thing, it's what she says is that... That you don't just give up. You don't just let things happen. You make a stand. You say no. You have the guts to do what's right when everyone else just runs away. How, how do you feel like the changes that you've had from your experiences how do you what do you think that's taught you i think the one thing that i would hope to be remembered for is, is that i was a kind person because it's right because it's decent as successful as any of us are and above all it's kind i think being a kind person it's just that is, is sort of the thing that i would hope to take from all the things that i have learned and just kind what is so important to me is to help other people maybe achieve something that they may not be able to do on their own. I'm a firm believer that you shouldn't close the door behind you. You should kick it open as far as you can and drag as many people along with you on your journey. I look back at all the opportunities that people have given me, starting with my parents. And if I can do that even just a little bit, that's the most important thing. It's the thing that I value the most. Uh, well, you you do do that a lot of it, <laughs> honestly. Well, well thanks. You, you are you are really good at that. So w- well observed about yourself, I think. Yeah. <laughs> that's nice of you. That's nice of you to say. Thank you. Yeah, I don't know that I have all that much more. I think the only other thing I wrote down is: is there anyone else in that chip shop? I don't think there is. I don't even think there's anybody working there. I think they jumped behind the counter and got some of that nasty chemically coleslaw. And- the second row started shouting, they probably yeah. Away and I I think when you can find a piece of television or a piece of writing or a piece of art that makes you think about your own life and to put something into perspective or make you understand something about yourself, I think it's kind of one of the biggest gifts that you can get. And it's not that I haven't appreciated all of those moments before. I still have that set of world book encyclopedias. Like it's Mm. ancient and tattered and I cannot 
I can't bring myself to get rid of them because they were so important. So it wasn't like this was new to me, but I understood it differently. And it made me think about that and think about all those things that I went through and how hard I worked and the struggles that I went through to put myself through college um, and to and to strive for a different sort of life, not a better life, but a different a different sort of life than the upbringing that I had. I think that's a gift. And I think if you have a writer that can give you that kind of gift, you just you need to hang on to that because introspection is a, it's a powerful thing. And that is the end of this episode of The Moment. A major thanks to my good friend Deb Stanish, who you can find on Twitter at Deb Stanish. You can also hear her every week on the wonderful podcast Verity, where she and five other awesome women discuss Doctor Who in depth. And she and one of her Verity co-hosts, Erica Ensign, also have a podcast called Beginner's Puck over on the Incomparable Network, where they talk about hockey, which is a sport that is played on ice. Head over to themomentpod.com if you want to find show notes or links related to this episode, including a link to a Spotify playlist featuring songs loosely related to the discussion in this episode. Why? No reason, just because I think it's kind of a fun thing to do. You can follow us on Twitter at The Moment Pod or now on Instagram at the same. And you can also search for Doctor Who The Moment on Facebook. And thank you to the wonderful folks who support The Moment on Patreon at patreon.com slash themomentpod. If you feel moved to do so as well, then I will be forever grateful to you. I'm Dom Dickinson, and I'll be back in a moment.